Amen. Thank you for your applause this morning. And I don't mean that in the sense of, oh, yeah, it does feel good. Of course, it feels good. But one thing it reminds me of is actually that's what God does when we step out in faith, when we, when we seek him, when we wake up in the morning and say, Lord, help me. I believe he applauses us. I believe the angels applause us. I believe the, the saints in heaven applause us. I believe it because heaven is a place of joy. God created us for joy. We know sorrow, we know joy, we know all kinds of emotions in this life, but we know we were created for joy because that's when we know peace, that's when we know happiness, that's when we feel healed, that's when we feel complete. And that's ultimately what we will know, is the fullness of the joy of seeing God face to face in heaven, in, in the new creations. For now, we taste that in part, we know in part, we, we have the frustration of knowing the presence of God in us and working through us and amongst us and seeing the beauty of God in all of creation. But we long for God, we long for that rest. We know the Sabbath rest, the, the complete rest we have and the salvation of Christ. But we know there is so much more to come. We know we have new bodies waiting for us. And yet we see healing today. We see healing in part today. But yet we have frustration. And this is the journey of the journey with God. So the first thing I wanted to say, let me see if the clicker, PowerPoint, where do you work? Yes. Welcome to the house of God. What is the house of God? The house of God is you and me, the believers in Jesus Christ. We are the house of God. How? That sounds almost offensive. How can we be the building bricks of the holiness of God? It sounds like too much pressure. I don't really want that pressure. <laughs> um, am I that holy? Sometimes I think I am. I think, I think when I think I am, that's when I'm not being holy. Um, <laughs> but, I, but we have nothing to be ashamed of. We, actually, the gospel is offensive to our souls because... He says, I freely give my righteousness to you. I freely give my holiness to you. Actually, he freely gives it, but what a great price that was. The pain and the suffering and being separated from God as Jesus hung on that cross. But he did that because he loves us. He's always loved us and he will always love us. So we are the house of God. Anyone who lives, who loves me, will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. How personal is that? How deep is that to come and dwell within our inner beings now? So, just wanted to say with the house of God, so often people look at buildings. If this was the house of God, we saw those curtains. Well, temple being, the, the curtain being torn in two, perhaps. You know, is that a bit cheesy to, to make that analogy there? But you think, actually, God cannot be contained within buildings of bricks and mortar. I mean, the temple was a beautiful thing, the, the, the two temples that were built. But then Jesus said, look, I will rebuild that temple. And he has, in such a beautiful way. But then the bricks he has used, I guess, perhaps like the bricks that were originally used, aren't perfect. And we're not perfect. But then his Holy Spirit is making us perfect. Why has he chosen to do it that way? I don't know. In one sense, I know. And it's because he wants us to, 
to partake, to walk with him, to walk with him on the journey, to, to find out who he is. He could have done this in so much, you know, he could have just saved us and completely sorted us out here and now. Why do I know that? Because he made the heavens and the earth and the seas and everything in them. Because he made us. That's a miracle. Life is a miracle. My um, wonderful niece was come up to two weeks old, Joe, I think. And every time I see a, a newborn baby, I think that's, I can't, you know, how can you not believe in God when you see life? Like, you think, how on earth, you know, I don't know any human ingenuity or creativity that could possibly make something as wonderful as that. So, the radiance of the creator of the universe is alive and at work in us, a motley crew of people. But we can so often look at our incomplete, you know, our brokenness, our, well, I'm not that good at this, oh, oh, you know, and everything else, but we've got new identities. And again, his word says that we're works in progress. He will finish what he has begun. Okay, I'm not okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. When people say, are you okay? Uh, this book, uh, it was when I, I was a kid, I remember seeing this book on my, I don't know who read it in my family, maybe it was something that was given to them, uh, sort of a, a book of choice about uh, uh, transactional analysis. Uh, uh, let's not even go there. But I liked it when I was a kid, do you know why? Because it was yellow. Um, and, and so I thought, this book came to my mind, but I like, I like the sort of title and the subtitle. You know, we can go through this cycle of, am I okay? Well, actually, a part of me is okay. Part of me can be wonderful. We can know the joy of the Lord. And yet the other part of me is in anguish, in torment, saying, Lord, when will you heal me of this affliction? And yet I can know the joy of salvation and I can see his deliverance and healing in one part of my life. And then there's another part over there that isn't like that. I'm thinking, what's going on? And I think sometimes, you know, we can ask each other, how are you? And uh, it's something uh, I'm, I'm going to uh, name drop here. My brother-in-law, Mark, he's uh, hopefully going to be listening to this. He couldn't be with us today. But uh, um, he would often say to me, how are you? Now, I don't know. When someone asks you that question, how do you respond? Are you, uh, yeah, I'm fine. Or are you like me where I give my whole life story? And people are like, no, I really didn't need to know all that information. Or sometimes we can feel the pressure of that. How are you? Well, you know, I'm a Christian. Um, and I'm supposed to be like really good and full of the joy of the Lord. And thinking, if that means a permanent grin on your face, <laughs> let yourself off the hook. Actually, I think you can know the joy of the Lord and feel heartache for people. You know, to know the compassion of God and have that. And, and, you know, people might think you look a bit intense and miserable. What's going on? But actually, it's because you know the love of God so much that he may have given you a burden for something. Or actually, you know you're in the midst of him doing something in you. And it's not easy. You know, I've had that where I'm thinking, Lord, you know, Went to Israel recently, incredible, just had an overwhelming sense of his presence. I was like, Lord, I'll do whatever you want. And I thought, no, don't, don't pray that prayer. <laughs> but then, Lord, God knows our enthusiasm. God knows our passions. But, you know, uh, then he, he'll, he'll shape us. He'll mold us. He, he, I believe he tr teaches us through the power of his word. But his word's alive. And we'll be looking at that a bit, a bit later on. But then, you know, we don't just live in our head. You know, we're made as physical beings. We go out, we, we look at this beautiful creation that he's made. It's, it's a troubled creation. Is it as good as it was when he first made it? No. And we know why, because of 
what Adam and Eve did because of the foundation of sin entering the world. And again, we even read in the Bible that creation is waiting. Creation is waiting for, to be, for the Messiah to come back, for, for, to be renewed, to be refreshed. So am I okay? Are you okay? Ultimately, God says we'll be okay forever. We can rest in the fact that wherever we are now, we may have a good day and a bad day, as we see the saints throughout the wonderful book of the Bible. We don't see people that are somehow becoming more enlightened, more evolved, more, you know, we see people wonderfully uh, and sort of wonderfully. Uh, spectacularly failing, trying to serve God, but then we see them being powerfully used by God. And we see one minute their wonderful trust and obedience in God. Um, and again, obedience can sound like a, a drudge, a hard, wearisome word, but actually it means trusting God, really trusting God. And you know, thank God we have the Holy Spirit to, to enable us to know his love so we can learn to trust him more. And, and learn to let his spirit work in us. I've been waiting to preach this for weeks, and uh, my mind's been pinging around with loads of wonderful things I can say, and then all of a sudden I know, oh no, how can I do this? And this morning, the adrenaline kicked in, the oh, you know, the, the seesaw, and I'm thinking, I actually thank God for that. <laughs> because if I was so chilled out and peaceful walking up here, I'd be thinking, am I trusting in God? Maybe if it was the peace of God and I was mature enough in my faith, I would know that peace. I'm not judging anyone who just knows that peace um, when they're serving God. But I, I thought, no, I'm going to use this for good. I'm going to say, Lord, I woke up early this morning. I, oh, right, right, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. How much longer? Worship this morning felt like a thousand years for me. But not in a sense of dread, a sense of I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. And I can't. I've got to wait. But I think wonderful words shared this morning I was like thank you it's alive words that, I, that brought life and peace to my soul so I'm grateful for that so be grateful for the journey so that's what do we think uh, when we ask each other how we are what do you think uh, do you think God asks you how you are it's a good question because you think well he knows everything um I think he does. I think every day God is saying, how are you? Um, I really believe he's saying, where are you? What have you done? And again, I've got this from Genesis, which is actually quite a sad part of the story, where Adam and Eve are hiding from God because they, you know, they're ashamed. They've eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and all of a sudden they've got this awareness, and they've lost a vital part of their connection with God. But I think actually, I'm not again saying this, that God is now going to judge, but I think we can again do that with parts of our lives, where in one sense, I know I'm here and I'm trusting God, but there's another part of me in a box somewhere that I haven't even really sort of given to God. I'm thinking, actually, what I need to do is I need to be, when I'm praying, praying in tongues, whatever, jumping up and down, um, or you know, doing some sort of super Christian at work is something that's you know, definitely Christian here. Then it's like, oh yeah, you know, thank you Lord, I'm relying on you, I want this to be good. But then when I'm taking my car to the car wash, I'm irritated at the person in front, or I'm obsessing about the car thinking, I hope it doesn't get scratched too much or whatever, or, or, maybe, or, or 
actually, I'm not doing anything bad as such, but I'm just thinking that, that part of taking the car through the car wash is, is, doesn't really matter. And actually, I think that kind of thinking is, I think we're missing out. I think the challenge is, is to, to, to bring in that intimacy with God into every single part of our lives. Because actually, God made life. He made us, he made the seasons. Um, he made us to do things. And I think the more we give to God, the more the riches of his kingdom will know, the more healing will know. And sometimes it's easy to think, I want healing over here, I want healing over here. Um, but to get us there, you know, it could objectively be an area where we, we need healing. And actually, I believe God ultimately wants us to be completely healed. Uh, we will ultimately know that. Um, we know some healing in this lifetime. We will ultimately know the complete healing in the, in the, in the life to come. But it's easy to, to, to somehow, with the busyness of life and the cultures that we're in, each culture has a different set of challenges. Some cultures are really like, oh yeah, you know, we talk about God all the time. Um, or are very exuberant, very sort of demonstrative, very caring, you know, it can be outwardly like that. And other cultures can be very restrained, whatever. And all these things, work culture, work ethic, and all these kinds of things, can very easily we can just fall into autopilot and think we're, you know, we're seeking God with, with every single part of our lives. So again, this is, this is the question I wanted to ask. God says, where are you today? He says, where are you? To, to that part of your life. Not to the part that's here, because you know, <laughs> we're here worshipping God, amen, which is good. But there's a part of us somewhere where he's saying, you know, a bit under the old shoes in the spare room, I use that picture because I'm thinking, you know, we can have that, we've got storage in a house, you think, I'll just chuck those things under there. And they may not be shameful things, they're just things we're just like, don't know, don't know about that. We just haven't really given it much thought. And I really believe God is saying, I want that part too. Bring it, bring it to me. You might think it's insignificant. You might think actually the way that you do that hobby or whatever is insignificant, but give me that. Because actually if we give God all our territories, then actually he will give them back to us full of life. We don't, why are we so afraid of the goodness of God? I know I'm afraid of the goodness of God. I'm thinking, oh no, if I pray, Lord, do your, your will be done. I'm thinking, oh no, I'm going to know pain and suffering and everything else. And, and it's like, it's such faulty thinking because actually I could try and avoid the will of God, which might initially look like an easier path. But there's a part of me that's just died inside. <laughs> you know, we, we can gain the whole world and forfeit our soul. Do we really want to do that? Do we really want to walk around thinking I'm, I'm in my, my sort of, my self-control bubble here, um, I pray to God for those things because everyone knows about those things. I know about those things enough. I've had to pray about God about those things because that was way beyond my control. But these other parts of my life, I can control these. That's all right. Um, this doesn't conversely mean that we just sort of sit there and don't do anything and say, Lord, I can't do anything until you tell me what to do. That's not what I mean either. And I think this is where the tension comes in is to, to learn to be friends with God is I wanted to say friends because I think sometimes, you know, we can use language, you know, loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. Love can actually be quite, a, I don't know, quite a detached word because it sounds like an extreme. It sounds like, you know, extreme acts of whatever it is, kindness or, you know, justice or righteousness or something or self-sacrifice. 
But actually, you know, with friendship, it's got that, you know, with God, it has that quality in it. But then there's all the other layers of actually the everyday stuff we're doing when we're just waiting at the bus stop. We're just, I don't know, reading through some old newspapers or whatever, or we're just with friends just talking about the weather. And all these sort of in-betweeny bits with God, do we just sort of give him the extreme parts of our lives and not the bits, everything else? He wants our problems. He wants our indifference. He wants our good things. He wants our bad things because he wants you. And sometimes I think, but why? <laughs> and I think, but, <laughs> you, want, you, want, you know, but then he made us. And I think, I believe he made us because he wanted to have a relationship with us. I believe actually when we don't talk to him, um, when we don't give all our things to him, I believe it upsets him, it hurts him, it grieves him. And again, it's because, you know, God, God isn't lonely in one sense. Um, but he created us for relationship. And do we get that? Do we get that actually God wants, God needs our relationship? Because he made us to have that relationship. And if we were made to love God, and he's not getting that love, I believe it does hurt him, you know. Um, it upsets him because he knows that when we love him, will know his love. He'll be able to talk to us. He'll be able to breathe his life into us and give us the wonderful gifts that actually he made us to, to receive in him. And I just want to say, no, no shame in, in giving him all these things. You might think, well, that's not holy enough. You know, me sort of uh, worrying about the rust on my bike or am I spending too much time cycling or whatever. Uh, sorry, these are some of my old burdens. Uh, or like, you know, photography, that's a real one. Uh, you know, I, I used to go through real phases of like, I'm too obsessed with this photography and I'm like, I can't let it go. And so therefore, I'm going to throw the cameras away and bury them somewhere and then I can be holy to God. And, and then people are like, but God kept bringing people back into me saying, oh, could you do this sort of photography? You like photography, don't you? And I'm like... I do, but leave me alone. And, and I was thinking, well, you know, it would have looked far more spiritual for me to lock myself in a, a cupboard under the stairs and, and pray to God when God would be like, look, you know, I'd probably turn the light on and there'd be loads of uh, sort of photography equipment in there. And God would be like, right, I've had to, you know, do something sort of miraculous here just to get your attention. Um, I think that's the thing. Sometimes he, you know, the way he shapes us. I wish he would just do this and just completely, you know, renew my mind and I'd walk out here just, just knowing the full counsel of God. But then I'm reminded, Psalm 55, cast your burden on the Lord, he will support you. God will never let the righteous be shaken. Again, burden sounds quite extreme. Um, are we righteous? Yes, we are if we trust in the finished work of Christ. I want to add, uh, create my own scripture here, which <laughs> of saying, cast your magnolia on God because he made beige. And what I mean by that is, is give him all the in-between parts of our lives that we think, I don't know, you know, we, we just go on autopilot on. Trust him. Trust him. He is good. Ultimately, you know, he doesn't want to rob, seek, and destroy. We know who does, and it's not God. Um, and... and we see through the Bible, it's interesting. When God says he calls someone his friend, the kind of person he calls his friend is someone who ultimately trusts him. He says, you know, 
pretty much it's if you do my commands. And again, commands, you're like, oh, not more commands. I'm like, you know, it's just Christianity. It's like, right, you're saved by grace. Now you have to work. And now you, you can't do this. You can do that. You can't do this. But the language is quite strong. It's like, but then we think, well, who's the one giving the command? It's not a man. It's God. And actually, when God says, I command you to do this, he's basically saying, listen, do this because I love you. And if you, if you seek me every day, if you trust the finished work of Jesus on the cross, that, cross, that will bring you life. That won't bring you death. If you try and live under the, the, the Ten Commandments uh, or the 613 commandments of the Old Testament in a way of earning righteousness, you're going to be miserable. The thing is, you might be quite good at it on the surface, but then, as Paul said, even if it's just one that you've broken, you've broken a whole lot. So, you know... The way we come to God is through faith, like Abraham. It's through faith he was credited with righteousness. He trusted God. Did he trust him perfectly? No, because he kept saying that Sarah was his sister when he was actually married to her. And okay, I know they were half, half sister, but you know, in terms of actually, they were married. And then you know, every time like, things would go wrong. So he, he wasn't perfect. David wasn't perfect. You know, we see David and Bathsheba and everything else, and getting a husband killed on the front line so he could marry her and, and things like that. And you think that's pretty messed up stuff. So, you know, God has given us good examples here of, of people that weren't, <laughs> weren't, uh, were far from perfect, but were actually trusting in God somehow. They were, they were turning to God saying, you're good. I want to do your will, Lord. And I think that's so precious to God. And I believe he'll give us the strength to do it. But holding this tension, it's hard work. It is hard work. And I think anyone who pretends a Christian journey is easy is missing, missing something here. Because actually it's in those mundane parts of life. Like right now I'm preaching about God. I feel pumped up and I'm thinking, yeah, Lord, you're real. Amen. And then tomorrow I'll be driving on the M25 and M20, oh, you know, someone cuts you up and you, uh, you know, and then, and then you start thinking, oh no, I feel so vulnerable. What if you know, that truck cuts me up and I die or get injured and then I can't. So many thoughts can float our minds. And you're thinking, we have to keep seeking him. And again, the preciousness of the word of God. It's not just some, you know, out-of-date bit of text. It's alive and active. God's word is alive and powerful. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. His word can cut through our spirits and souls and through our joints and marrow. And I like this translation, until it discovers the desires and thoughts of our hearts. And the thing is with the word is that, I mean, God knows what's going on. He knows the hearts of all men. It says that. But I like the fact that God humors us. God works with us. He comes alongside and says, right. <clears throat> so, you know, share, share, me, share with me all that stuff. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Share the lot with me. I want to know. I want to know what's going on. When we read his word, we have to chew on it and meditate on it. If we just read it and, you know, it's... It's not just a sort of science textbook or a, a how-to guide, although there's a lot of how-to in there. Actually, we know that you know, some of these books were, were letters written to certain people at a certain time, and it's like, oh, God, why couldn't you just make something that's as nice and straightforward? I mean, you look at the original Hebrew, and the vowel sounds were missing, and you're thinking, you know, who writes the Holy Scriptures in a language with no vowel sounds in it? And there was one rabbi who said, well, the reason why that was, 
was because we had to work at it. And I like that, I like that thought, you know. And it was, it was a part of the sort of Semitic languages of that time. That they often had no vowel sounds. The, the vowel sounds were added later so we could know how to pronounce it. Um, but I think we have, to, we have to make this word, this is for us. And okay, you know, it may have been written to the Hebrews or to the Romans or what have you, but we've got this canon of scripture here so we can take hold of it. And I'll be honest, some people are better, you know, some people may have quite a scholarly minds. They can interpret, oh, wow, I know what this means and that means. And that's why it's got to be a group effort. Some of us are better than reading it. Others, I'm more of an audiobook type person. I love the thought of reading, but I'm a terrible reader. Um, some people are wonderful readers. And if that's the case, that's why all of this has to be read in community. But it also has to be read on our own somehow and in some way. But, you know, if we wrestle with the word and says, what does this mean? I believe we'll find the treasure of God in there. And it will challenge you. Be prepared. It will challenge you but it will only challenge the parts of you that need to be set free. So again, trust in the goodness of God with all this. Don't lose that. Never lose that. If we lose the goodness of God, if, then we lose trusting in him, and then we think, oh, I don't want to do it. So yeah, let the word of God discover the desires and thoughts of your heart. Now, heart's an interesting word, because again, heart, you think, oh, well, I seem like an emotional type, so it's just for, for people like me. But actually, heart... The Hebrews at the time, the Jewish people thought that was the seat of the mind, of thought, of everything like that. So obviously, um, it does mean emotion. You know, God was emotional. You know, we see it. You know, emotions in their correct balance are a good thing. God made them. So let us not be ashamed of emotion um, within our relationship with God um, and within our own identity. Um, but we also see heart... Um, Lev to mean the, the seat of thought to the mind. So I think that's something good to hold on to there, um, is that God wants the word to get into our minds, to renew them, to renew every sort of part of our being. That's just the way he works. And his spirit that lives within us, how do I know spirit lives within us? Because of the word. <laughs> it's a cycle that goes backwards and forwards, and we need to ping between quiet time with God. But if we just sit there, and if we've never read the Bible, we won't know we're praying to an unknown God almost. And so it's that continuous cycle and we need to help each other, encourage each other in truth. So God cares for our well-being. His spirit searches the heart of man. Again, this is from 1 Chronicles. As for you, Solomon, my son, so this is David saying to Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him wholeheartedly and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches every heart and understands the intention of every thought. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. That's another thing. I believe that God sometimes hides himself from us. And not to hurt us, but because he wants us to think. He wants to say, you know, can have a turbocharged Christian day today, feel like a super saint, and then tomorrow morning just wake up in a, a mood of indifference. And you think, well, we need you know, new mercies we all know every day. But he's given us freedom to choose to, to seek him again, you know, to say, hey, God, I need you today. You know, we know that our salvation is a gift from God. I couldn't save myself. I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. I mean, put your hand up if you think you could save yourself. <laughs> but uh, I can't do that. But I know that 
it's a fascinating thing, and you see it throughout Scripture, where people were rewarded for seeking God. You know, God, God likes that. So that's the one thing we can do with our free wills. It's a bit controversial, free will and the sovereignty of God. But uh, let's, you know, not get distracted. But then I believe in his sovereignty, he's given us free will to say, because he wants a relationship with us. He wants to talk to us. And I dare you to ask God tomorrow morning, or even today, Lord, how are you? God, how are you? What's on your heart today? Now, that, I thought about that, and then I felt overwhelmed, like, oh, no, he's going to tell me all the problems in the world, and I'm going to be... <laughs> God's, not, God's not stupid. He's going to give us what we can handle well. What we can, you know, what, <laughs> what will grow us in faith, I'm sure. You know, what we can handle now. God always gives more than that because he wants us to lean on him. He wants us to know his goodness. So you're surrounded. That's the thing. You're surrounded by the goodness of God. You're surrounded by the angels and the saints. Um, by the love of God, by the spirit. And actually by each other in Christ. So, you know, don't be afraid. Actually, it is all or nothing. I, I've, I'm going to, yeah, how am I doing for time? I just want to tell you, doing good, good. Um, it is all or nothing. Um, we're with God. Either we believe him or we don't. You know, either Jesus came and did all this stuff or he didn't. Um, either God is the God who he says he is in the Bible or he isn't. And I like that simplicity because actually there's a lot of life isn't black and white. You know, we see, we think, oh, I don't know what to do here or... Why am I healed? Or, you know, what's going on? Um, is God doing something? There's a lot of stuff we have to wrestle with God, and it's a journey of, of process of discovery. But ultimately, in, in Hebrews, it says, you know, we've got to believe he exists. Um, otherwise, you, you're going to be going between one extreme and the other. And I think that's in part the truth of it. Um, friendship with God comes from believing he exists, trusting in his promises, trusting that his commands, his teachings are good for us. When David says, I meditate on your law day and night, law doesn't just mean you shall do this and you shan't do that. It's actually the teachings of God. It's the, the counsel of God that, that have been given because he knew that was a place of bringing himself into alignment with the character of God and discovering who, who, more, more, who God is. But I thank God that today we have the Holy Spirit that's living in us which testifies about the truth of God. But again, I know that because the word told me that. But also I've experienced the spirit in my life and I thought, this is real. I've tried loads of sort of spiritual things before I became a Christian um, and they're all a load of tosh. Um, you know, it's like, oh yeah, there's a spiritual experience over here. And then after a few weeks, I thought, it's just me and my irritating self and some detached spiritual force that I'm meant to tap into so I can control my destiny. And I'm thinking, this is just draining and exhausting. And then you see, there's a God that loves you, a God that has a name, a God that's done this particular thing, and just trust in him, and he'll take care of you, and he'll give you life. And that's exactly what happened. And I remember coming in thinking, he talks back to me. And there was a sense of, he was clean. There was no, there was no sort of like, oh, you know, have an initial boost, and then all of a sudden you have the, the, the reality of what you're actually believing in is just oppressive and cold and detached. I'm thinking, actually, this is something that says, I'll, I'll sort your mess out. <laughs> um, and, you know, the way he does that is not always the way we think it should be done, and I think we also need to make sure we, it is a spiritual battle. 
and we must pray for each other. Sometimes it's because, you know, we know there is an enemy who doesn't want us to be free. And so it's a, you know, it's a team effort. Um, so he's given us new clothes to wear and a new life to live now. This life matters. You know, we, we, we wait for, you know, the resurrection. We wait for Jesus to return. We know that ultimately, you know, we should be living with that in mind, you know, to, to, to be good, faithful um, disciples, to be good doers of the word, which is to, to love God and to serve each other with the love of Christ, with the power of the Spirit releasing you into good gifts, uh, the gifts he's given for you to use to do the works he's prepared in advance for you to do. Um, but it means, you know, this all matters. I look at, you know, I think cutting the grass out there, I don't envy who has to do that. But, you know, I think it's easy to think, oh, just, you know, but God cares about all these things. He cares about our football matches and table tennis or, you know, even watching TV, all these things. <laughs> Give them all to God. They all, how we, we live our lives, everything you do, do for the glory of the Father. But we can't do that until we know how he wants us to do it. And we can't do that until we talk to him and say, Lord, help me. Show me the way. So, be doers of the word. But before you turn into, right, there's all these things I can do. Soak it into our bones. Let the word soak into our bones and penetrate every part of our lives. Let's not be cardboard Christians. Because actually, you might be doing loads of wonderful works for God. But inwardly, just be a husk. God wants it to be the other way around where inwardly there's the, the light of God, the kingdom of God that's just fueling us. And then from there, it'll just pour out. Which leads on to the excellence of love from Corinthians. Paul says, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love. For others, uh, I love this. Uh, amplified is really hard to read, and I'm realizing that now. But I like it because it explains certain, you know, gives you a bit more context. So if you have not love, for others growing out of God's love for me, for others growing out of God's love for me, that's got to be the, the source. So you can have the gift of prophecy, you can have all these things. You can have even faith, but if you don't have love, the love that's rooted in that intimacy with God, it's, it's not going to be great. It's, you know, God can use all these things, of course he can, but that's not how he wants us to be. He doesn't want us to be sort of, you know, old covenant style, <laughs> take two here. He actually wants us to live as children of God. So here's the challenge, where is God in the photocopier? So when you, you know, work wherever, I mean, everyone, you know, has probably come across a photocopier at some point. It's quite a, quite a mystery photocopier. There's all mystical things. You press a button and something else happens. And you think, I don't know what's going on here. You know, how will it come out? But what I mean in that is in just in the midst of the mundane. The mundane is precious to God. So think about that this coming week. Where is God in the midst of the most boring thing that you're doing? So I'm just going to probably sort of start to wrap it up here, actually. Um, so it's coming back to those commands again. But think of it in light of actually a command from God is a good thing. It's not a command from some dictator or from someone who wants to hurt us or, or do us harm. Um, it's from the Father who loves us. So as the Father who loved me, so I've loved you, says Jesus. Now remain in my love. Remain in the gospel. 
Let's remain in that space of knowing he loves us. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So yeah, it's certainly, uh, I know an incomplete joy at the moment and I want to know that complete joy, amen? My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no, no um, one than this, to down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer, no longer call you servants, because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. In the love of Christ, of course. Amen. So may we, may we go and do that. But again, I believe it's friendship with God is, is inviting him into the everyday and knowing that he cares. He does care about all these things. Nothing is trivial to God. And ultimately, it's only a path you can walk. This is my last point, really, before we can pray about this. We walk it together. We encourage each other's faith. I mean, if it wasn't for the church, my sister wouldn't have been saved two years before me. You know, if it wasn't for people praying for her. It's a t- you know, God uses us. We are the body of Christ uh, with him as the head. Um, but ultimately, it is a lonely walk. You know, what, what's going on in your inner parts is something that God says, but I want to talk to you one-to-one here. Obviously, he can use other people to, you know, there are times where, you know, it's times of deliverance, times of, you know, counsel and correction, whatever it is, good things, everything else, where God works in a group. But there are definitely other times where God's saying, and I've, I've known this in my own life, where God's saying, look, don't go up to pr- for, for prayer again. Talk to me as if I exist. Why, why are you talk, getting, living off someone else's faith all the time? And it felt like a challenge because I thought, right, I'm, I'm not going to go up for prayer this time. And I thought, oh, no, no, but what if I'm missing out? And I'm, I'm thinking, actually, there are totally times when we don't go up for prayer and we really should. And we're thinking, no, I don't want to be a burden on anyone. I don't want to trouble anyone. I'm like, go up for prayer. But there are other times where you're thinking, Lord, but am I actually meditating with you? Saying, Lord, teach me about this thing really irritates me. I feel like it's sin or it's just hard work to deal with here. And I want you to, can you just, oh. we need to do that on our own. There's no one else can do that. But what a privilege that we can go into the presence of God, the great throne room with our Father in heaven. And so, Father, oh, just talk to me about this. And, and then we can let him start doing wonderful work. And then we'll have our own authentic testimonies, which can bless other people. Um, and it's all, again, it's community, but it's also a path that he says, well, you've got a choice, you know. <laughs> so let's, let's choose, choose to talk to him. Also, it deepens your faith, because if you're living off someone else's faith, which, you know, sometimes there are seasons, you know, you've got to do that. And I think actually, you know, we, we're called to share each other's burdens, you know, and, and it's... Sometimes someone's going through a living hell and, and they think, yeah, you can say, yeah, go on, pray all night. And it's like, no, I'm in agony here, I'm in pain. 
Why, why can't we pray for people like that? And I think actually it is, it is a call and a challenge to pray for people that are afflicted. Um, and if that affliction doesn't go away, do we just give up? Or do we keep praying as a community for those people? These prayers are precious, but it's hard dealing with other people's burdens, uh, with other people's pain, because it can challenge our faith. And we suddenly think, oh God, if you're not there for them, will you be there for me? But again, we've got, we've got to draw near to God and we've got to intercede for one another, pray for one another. But also, within the midst of that battle, when you wake up in the morning, you're there at night, it's you in your own head, in your own mind. Seek God. He's, he wants to hear your voice. So if he's asking, where are you? Don't be afraid. Have a right fear. Actually, when we talk about fear of God, it's saying, God, you're God. <laughs> you made me. And you've done this amazing work for me, so I'm going to take hold of the, the gospel of Christ, the, 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 that by your stripes I'm healed, that I'm saved, that I'm made righteous in your sight. I want that, Lord, so I'm not ashamed. That's, that's the right kind of fear. We're actually acknowledging that God has done something for us, and he's a holy God, and he means what he says. And so if he says he loves us, he loves us. <laughs> so talk to God in your own way. We're all different. Some of us are chatterboxes like me, um, but some of us like to talk. Some, of, some people like to pray like this on the, on the edge of the thing. You know, again, we see loads of things. That, you know, there's nothing wrong. Some people pray that, you know, I, I pray in the car. I don't close my eyes. Um, so I, don't, I don't want there to be problems, you know. Everyone's got different ways of finding out how, how, you know, if you've never really done it before, I encourage you. Talk to God in your own way. Be creative. God's made us creative. He's made us in, is in his image. Um, so we're all different, all different parts of his character. Um, so be bold in that, you know. Um, but try and be regular in it. Again, it's all about perseverance and being regular with what we do. But sometimes, you know, there are seasons where you, just re- or you read the word for hours. Other times you'll be praying like this. You know, it's just about listening to his spirit. But the more we do that, the more we'll, we'll know uh, senses his promptings so today talk to him with complete and utter honesty and see where the love of God will take you God does not want you to pretend he wants you to be bringing his light into every part of your life let his spirit speak into your life so I just wanted to just have a couple of minutes of prayer really a few minutes of prayer just to say to welcome God in and just feel free to to pray out feel free to just sit in silence. It's just a chance to say, Lord, where do you want to, what area of our lives do you want to speak into today? How can we be better friends with you? How can we choose, you know, learn from you to do your will, Lord, to, to, let, to, to trust you, to let you love us? What parts of our lives, Lord God, that we might think are insignificant, you know, do you want to, to reach today? Teach us, Lord, to be friends, your friends. Because we now know your business, Lord, as your word says. We know how much you love the world. So feel free to just pray in your own way for the next few minutes and just let God speak to you.